haven't been baptized before, uh, maybe that was a bit of a prompt, or seeing others be baptized, I really would encourage you. Uh, if I haven't met you before, my name is Jeremy. Would you open your Bibles with me to John chapter 10? We're um, just going to take a few moments now to round off our series that we've been doing in the last few weeks. And uh, there's just a particular topic that I wanted to talk about um, to finalize in our series. And um, we started off this series with a, a, a story about somebody who deconverted from their faith. Someone who had professed faith in Christianity uh, for all intents and purposes from our perspective was living a Christian faith and walk and yet reached a point for certain reasons that they, from our earthly perspective, walked away from it. And we probably all know people that when we look at that we go, people who seem to have quite a strong faith and maybe had it for a, a, a large number of years and they're very difficult for us to see that happen and wonder what is going on. And so I think there's an earthly perspective that we look at, and we've been using this term, fall away. But I want to look at a passage and a couple of concepts, just very quickly, that were helpful for me in understanding that there's a heavenly perspective in this whole area that's important for us to understand, that actually gives us a deep degree of assurance around our faith because it's not embedded or entrusted in ourselves, it's entrusted in the person of Jesus Christ. The passage is this one here in John chapter 10, which is very significant for me. It says, the Jews who were there gathered around him, it's a particular festival that's going on, saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, or that's the, the Jewish word, Christ is what we would this promised king who was coming from the Old Testament that the Jewish people were longing for to get their freedom. If you are that one, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you. And we have examples of it already in the book of John. I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. So it's not just him telling, it's him showing in the way that he did these miraculous deeds and his incredible teaching. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. There's a lot of aspects of, to this passage, but I want to focus in on one, and that is there's, kind of a, there's a heavenly perspective when we come and look at your and my salvation. Can you see the activity that it talks about there? It talks about the Father gives them to the Son, and the Son is the one who goes out, and, and, and they become His sheep. <laughs> they, they hear they follow, they listen to his voice, and it says an incredible statement, he says, I know them. So when Jesus looks down, he goes, I know those ones who are my sheep. And then incredibly, this is the picture that was very helpful for me in, in varying stages. There's times where, you know, you question and you doubt or you're troubled by 
events that have gone on, traumas in your life, that, or maybe it's, it's, it's of your own causing, it's, it's sin or it's addictions or whatever kind of things that are sitting there with that, and you're just wondering, man, I'm such a, a mess. And Jesus talks about this salvation thing with it, but he says, I know my sheep, and I'm the one who gives them eternal life. I'm the one who rescues them, as Richard just talked about this, this event that we're talking about, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's through that event that I'm able to know that I am saved. And then he says this, they, they, they sit in the hands of Jesus, you and me, if you're one of his sheep. I sit in the hand of Jesus, and it says, uh, sit there in a way that, that no one can come and snatch them out. They, they, they can't be taken away. And then he says, there's this, this father's, father as well, and this is part of where we get the strong um, identity of Jesus Christ as divine, right? He says, I and the Father are one. And then there's his father's hands wrapping around it as well. There's this double kind of protection that's going on there with them, is saying there's a safety, there's a security there that's provided by Father and Son. And so this is, in, in some senses, oh, let's do this quote from Charles Spurgeon. I really like this. He says this, If our religion be of our own getting or making, it will perish. And the sooner it goes, the better. But if our religion is a matter of God's giving, we know that he shall never take back what he gives, and that if he has commenced to work in us by his grace, he will never leave it unfinished. And there's just times where you've just got to stop and go, I look at things from a temporal perspective, and I actually need to stop and see things from a heavenly perspective about what is God is doing. He is enacting his plans and his purposes out in this world. And when I get lost in that space, when I get lost in his glory and honor of what he is up to and doing, it changes my perspective. It shifts me. It doesn't mean all our questions get answered in that space, but boy, it takes a great shift in it. And so there's this idea that sits in Scripture in a, in a number of places of something we will call security, the knowledge that my faith in Christ for my salvation is permanently safeguarded. Now, I'm going to talk about this with a couple of other things that we need to define, but I just want you to say in, in this moment that somebody who has their faith in Christ through his work on the cross for the salvation of my sin, that, I, that, that is, is permanently safeguarded by, by God in that space. So there's an idea here that we're looking at called security. Justin Taylor, um, uh, writing on the Gospel Coalition website, he is in a place in America where he gets a lot of uh, kids come um, uh, to study, and they're often wrestling with, am I a Christian? And, you know, they'll go to places and they'll... They'll do some sort of thing that's very much considered an awful sin in the places that you're kind of growing up with, and they question it. And he does a little activity. I'll just give you part of it here. But he will just take some verses, um, and then he asks some questions with it. So John 6, 39, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. So here's his questions. How perfect is the Father's will? How good is Jesus at his job? <laughs> does the word nothing mean nothing or does it mean some? 
John 6.40, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life and will raise Him up on that last day. What does eternal mean? What does Jesus' promise about the last day mean for everyone who believes? We will be raised up. John 10, where we've just been looking at, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of hand. Does never mean never? Does no one mean no one? I just think this is such a good exercise because we read stuff and we just we, we, we can read it very glibly and quickly and we, we, we don't see it all in this incredible promises that sit here with what we are told. And there's the ones by Jesus himself, but he's got a bunch of other ones with it. I might put the link up on our website so you can, you can um, see the other ways to use it. So we've got this idea of security. But there's something else the Bible talks about called genuineness. The proving of my faith through testing. First Peter says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, when I declare faith in Jesus Christ, how do I know that is real and genuine. How do you know that anybody who professes faith in Jesus Christ, whether that faith is real or genuine? Well, the Bible says it very, very clearly. It says this, you're going to be tested on it over your lifetime. It's not a works-based idea. You don't work for your salvation in it, but there's times where your, that faith is going to be tested in very real and difficult ways. And, you know, I, a lot of the time I thought, oh, God, do you really need to test it to figure out for you if you know whether I'm one of your sheep? And what was the revelation for me is it's actually not for God to know because he already knows, right? Remember that heavenly perspective we talked about? This testing of my faith is for me. How do I know my faith is genuine? How do I know that this faith and trust that I profess in Jesus Christ, they say that is where my hope is. There was a time when Jesus was doing some hard teaching and a whole bunch of, the, of his followers went away and he turns to his disciples and said, are you going to go too? Do you remember what Peter says? Where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. You see, what we've done in this series of going, this testing and, and the, the, the disciples actually failed these tests, right? We see this over and over. All of them kind of fell away. The point we're trying to make in this series is very simple. It's, it's not the falling away or even a little bit sometimes this, the, the falling away element of it. Where do you turn after you've fallen away? Where is your hope? Not just saying it, well, it was an event way back in time. Is it, is it real? Is it living? Is it now? Is it active? I know that raises some other questions with it, but, but an element sits in here that I want to know that this faith is genuine because the third one I want to talk about is this, that I think a lot of the times we struggle with, is this idea of assurance. Do I live with an assurance that I am saved? A settled sense that I am safe in Jesus. And this is a little bit more tricky, isn't it? Because this is more of a feeling rather than a knowledge one. How do I shift from that knowledge of security to an assurance that that, 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 that is it? And um, we're likely to do a series in First John next term, but John writes this, he did it in his gospel, and he writes it in his first letter as well. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you 
may know that you have eternal life. So when my faith is tested, when those things sit in there and I go, well, what worthiness do I have to be saved by Jesus Christ? And then I remember the gospel that it's not actually my worthiness, it's my faith and hope in Jesus Christ. And when I keep returning to that, I see the genuineness of what I said. Quick analogy. Let's say you're in something like, you remember that shows like Dragon's Den or something, right? Someone comes along with a business idea and they sit them down and they present their idea to some people who could invest in it. Imagine if you had a business and you went in there and you said, here's my, my great idea. And, and one of them comes along to you afterwards and goes, that is such a good idea. I really believe in your idea and I believe in you. And, and to show that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you $10,000 a month for the next 20 years because you need that to be able to you know, get your business up and running with it. And you go, that's fantastic. I wonder if you'll follow through on that. And then months go by and the $10,000 keeps on coming in and you believe it. And then one day, might be six months down the track, <laughs> might be 12 months down the track, might be whatever it is, the money stops. And you go to that investor and you go, what, what, what happened? Why did you stop, you know, giving that money across? We, we needed that money to sort of develop it. He goes, well, I really like what you're kind of doing, but I've moved on from there. There's somebody else working in that space now who I think has a better idea, and it's, I, I would prefer to invest kind of with them. See, this is, there's a perseverance that's called for in our faith through the Scriptures. It helps me understand why Paul says at the end of 2 Timothy, he says, my time for departure has come. I'm being poured out like a drink offering. But he says, I have fought the good fight. He says, I have kept the faith. He doesn't say, look at, me, look at my sinless life that I've, I've lived. Look at all the amazing things that I have done. He said, my faith in Jesus Christ is my hope has remained. My faith in Jesus Christ as my hope has remained. And so, I don't want this to sound a discouraging space. I want it to be an encouraging thing. We're tested and trialed because we, I want to know that this, this faith that I have is genuine. And, and like, I live with that assurance now because I've been a, a Christian now for 30-something years. And there's been some really tough times in that. There's been really some times where I've, I've really wondered where I, whether I'm really a Christian. And it's, it's self-inflicted, there's behaviors that I've done, or there's things that I've seen which just wrestle and cause me to doubt and have some of questions with it. But my assurance comes from two places. The first one is my faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done. I just look at it from that heavenly perspective and know that God had that plan to rescue him, and I have my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that even though I wander and have had troubles and struggles, I return I'm like, I'm like Peter, man, where else would I go? Because I've looked in other places and I know this is the place where I find my hope. And so I have a settledness in there and then I have that picture in my mind of this beautiful Jesus and the Father holding me and protecting me in their hands with it. I want to finish with the doxology that is in Jude. And uh, Jude um, has talked about some things that will happen in the last days and some people who will cause all trouble and division. And 
And he gives some real practical advice, and then he says this. He's writing this to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Isn't that interesting? See, even in keeping us from stumbling, it's God who's doing the work in that. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. I have a, I have a hundred starting questions for God when I get there. <laughs> They're just the starting questions. There's a whole bunch that will kind of branch off from that. But, but I suspect what will happen is I'll start with a question. I'll say, well, God, why did you let that happen? Or, or why didn't you stop that? Or, or perhaps even why did you cause that to happen? And in my limited mind, it just seems to make no sense kind of whether he'll come over here, my son. You see what happens there? That unexplained event that kind of happened? I want to show you what happened because of that. I want to show you that because that happened, these other things that brought people who were a long way away from me brought them closer. Or, or, or those who were just fluffing around in their Christian faith, it made them take me seriously. And, and, and he'll sit me there and he'll go, and I'll get maybe three questions in and I'll start going, oh, okay, I get it. You know everything. That's why I put my trust in you. And that's why I think we'll have great joy. And then, and then we move into this, that we can say here, but I think we will say it with incredible clarity one day, and that is this, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen said it a few times in this series, but I'll say it again. I don't know where you're at in your walk with Jesus Christ, but I know this, that he's always waiting and available and wanting you to come close. There is no place that you can go that's too far away from the loving and forgiving arms of Jesus. There is no doubts or questions that can't be answered by staying and trusting and keeping close to Jesus Christ. One day, all of those things will make sense. And so I just want to encourage you, stay faithful. Stay close to Christ. Watch your step so you don't slip and fall in certain places. But even if you do, but even if you do, keep coming back to the loving arms of Jesus Christ. Let me pray and then we'll close in song. Father, would you help us take, in, uh, take our minds and our souls and our hearts into your perspective, into the heavenly realms to understand that the temporal things that we see in this life that leave us often confused and frustrated and whatever other feelings are sort of associated with ourselves and what we see going on, that they can get lost in this beautiful plan that you have in place. You are the king, the creator, the savior, the rescuer. You are the one who, the only place that we can find hope for this life and in the life to come. Would you help us to glorify you, glorify you in our mind and our hearts and our feet, Lord. For anybody here who's questioning and wondering, may they just get lost in the beauty of your gospel message.
that the message of, of Christ on the cross is that He loves us and He forgives us for all of the rebellion and sin that we've done because He wants us to be children of the Heavenly Father and live with you forever in beautiful glory. Father, thank you for that thought that the Scriptures teach us. May we revel in it and live in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.